Hello, everybody. I am going to share four thoughts on Shvi Shal Pesach, which is upon us, and wishing everybody a Chag Kasher Vesameach. Um, for those of you tuning in now, thank you so much for your feedback from all the Pesach-related ideas. And in general, it's always great to hear from me, people, even if it's correcting me on things I said that are wrong, which there are plenty of those opportunities, and if it's Shomei Mosif or other things as well. I really, really appreciate that. It means a lot to me. Thank you. This is a second time around recording. When I got out my... Uh, um, microphone from over Pesach, I recorded an entire shear on mute. So hopefully it'll be briefer because I've now set up my thoughts a couple times. Um, so you'll get the abridged version. Okay, so let's talk about four Ha'aras. Number one, there's no Shachianu made for Shavishal Pesach in the Hadlakasteros or on the um, Kiddush. And this is very much in contrast to all other, uh, you know, kind of second days. So for example, on um, Simchas Torah, which is the second days of, um, what's it called? Of Sukkot, of course, that's its own holiday. Um, Shemini Atzeres and Sukkot Torah, Shemini Regal Fayatzpo, and so it gets a Shachianu. So obviously the fact there's no Shachianu is because we already made a Shachianu at the beginning of the Yantif, so therefore that shows that this um, Yantif, this second days, is a direct continuation of the first days of Pesach. And it's obvious, but it should be said, and that is because this is one big um Musig of Yitzhiya's tribe of us going out and then also us being chased by the Egyptians who wanted to bring us back. And that's really, really important to understand that this is one big theme. And at the same time, even though it's one big theme, many of us might have been inspired on the Pesach night, which is great, but some of us might have already forgotten about that inspiration because we're human. Um, and if you're like me, um, that's okay. Let's get back on our feet and try to use this time to be able to be inspired and get closer to Hashem. Thought number two, <clears throat> is Mitzrayim out of their mind? We know that the entire city was decimated, and Hashem displayed his amazing powers in the Ten Makos, and we have an entire Seder that we focus you know, a lot on that, and yet, here they are, sending spies to make sure the Jews are coming back, finding out the Jews are not coming back, the spies come back, and then Paro chases them. So a couple of ours. First of all, there's a little bit of a Paro like that in all of us, meaning, like Rav Dessler calls it, and Rav Shachan Shlovet says the same thing, we as humans have the ability, which is crazy, that we could exhibit a understanding on the one hand, but also a stupidity and insanity on the other. Rav Dessler describes, for example, a diabetic that he knew who was highly sensitive to sugar and could not give up his eating habits of um, sugar, which included chocolate, and he was warned that if he kept doing that, he would cause health issues so severe that he would need to have an amputation of his leg, which happened, and then his second leg as well. And Rav Dessler says, what's going on? Is this guy crazy? He's not. He's just like all of us. We can only have one rutzen at a time. And that rutzen, obviously, to be healthy and to have, you know, both feet is there. But at the same time, that rutzen, to have that item, to have that sugar, to have that uh, chocolate was also there. And he talks about how people have this idea when it comes to smoking, even though we all know it's dangerous, or when it comes to overeating, even though we know it's dangerous, or anxiety-provoking things, or, or things that make us feel sad, yet we still do them. And that's because, it's not because we're crazy, but it's because we are so fixated on that pleasure in that moment that we can't allow ourselves to think outside of that box. And what's important in life is to be able to take a step back and understand ourselves better. Um, my father quoted over Yantaf a famous story, Rishal Salanter asked his Talmidim, what is the two most distant items in the entire world from one another? And they thought and they said, you know, maybe planet Earth or me and, you know, the furthest reaching planet. And he said, no, there's something further. They just didn't understand what he was trying to tell them. And he said, the distance between your mind and your heart. Um, and we always say mind over matter, but oftentimes it's not our mind over matter and our matter, uh, our, our, our physical drives are what are leading us. 
and we're human, and that's okay. The difference is, what would you like to lead you? And it's the same thing with Paro. And my Rebbe Ravasher, Zell Rubenstein, that's all, used to always say that Paro, when he originally was told by the Egyptians that we need to oppress the Jews, he was scared to do it. He knew that Jews were powerful and that whoever messed with them got punished. And so um, Paro said no. And the Egyptians actually fired him and they kicked him out of the palace. And for three months he lived like that because he was so scared. And his wife kept telling him, come on, make some money. This is your support. You better figure out what to do. And finally, after three months, he relented and he came back and he said, And my Rebbe used to point out that it was because of Parnassah that he went back. And therefore, um, the first Makkah was against the Parnassah of Egypt, which was the Nile, which irrigated the entire city. And again, everybody was agricultural based. That's how you made your money back then. There was basically no other major business besides agriculture until, you know, uh, until even 100 years ago. There, there was nothing else. You know, it's like all of our, you know, row zone. There was uh, everything revolved around, you know, vegetation and planting and maybe maybe a little farming and a little uh, shepherding here and there. But that, that, that's basically what it was. Okay, so the first thing was against their parnasa, against their god. And he always used to joke and say, you know, the, Egyptian, the, the Egyptians, that was their first thing, the Nile they worshipped. And for us, uh, the American culture is in God we trust. They wrote that on their god. So money has always been the god for, for generations. And finally, they go after, they chase after the Jews at the end to get back their money. The Jews were a huge agricultural asset. And this is a multi-billion dollar business um, in so many ways. And so they chase after them and they, and, and they try to get them back. So that's that's the Orvachosha Mishdamshim Bravuvia, where on the, other, on the one hand, you see how much destruction it caused to suppress them. On the other hand, they come back. And Paro had tremendous losses in his life. You know, he lost probably much of his family and he suffered very much. I mean, we know his... You know, throne, his heir to the throne died, and probably many of his other children, who were Bukharos, at least to their to their mothers, um, also died. Okay, finally, number, number three, we get to um, we get to the Yamsuf and the Jews. This is before they sing Az Yashir. They're at a moment of truth, and this this one hurts. And they're standing there, and in front of them is the Yam, behind them is the Egyptians who are about to reach them, and what's on the left and right, nothing. For them, nothing that allows them to escape. The Medrash Rabbah says, in Shmos Rabbah, that Hashem sent animals, wild animals there. This was the first time that the Jews were threatened by animals, uh, in contrast to Arof. Why did Hashem do this? What's going on? And the Jews realized that they couldn't go down. That was under their feet. That was the ground. They couldn't go straight. There was a Yam. Behind them was the Egyptians. And to their left and right are wild animals. What's Hashem doing? There's only one place for them to turn, and that's upward towards Hashem. And says Rav Asher, the the Gra writes, and Rav Tzadikah Cohen writes this as well, that if you want to know what your purpose in life is, look at what your biggest challenge is. Whatever your biggest challenge is, and this hurts, usually your top one, two, three challenges, that's why you're here. And you might say, oh, come on, Rebona Shalom, I'll do anything but those things. I'll work on myself, I'll work on this meter, that meter, but not, don't make me work on that. That is too hard. And it really hurts. It's so hard. It is so hard to work on those things that are just so personal and that are just so hard for us. But yet, that's exactly what you're here for. And when you recognize that I'm standing at this crossroads and I have nowhere else to go except to turn to the Rebbe Shalom and to be involved to myself to him and to work on that exact challenge and to literally jump into the Yam, like to just jump in, that's where all your Siyat Shmaya comes in life. And when in that move of going from a place of hopelessness and a place of saying, I can't work on that exact thing, my hardest thing, that is your Yamsuf. And when you jump in, it always splits, guaranteed. Now, does that mean that it becomes easier? No, it wasn't easy. It's not easy to jump to your death into a Yamsuf. <laughs> of course, it's not easy. But that means that the Rebbe Shalom will always stand there and no no one ever did an Avera and lost out. No one ever did a Mitzvah, excuse me, and lost out. 
many Averas sometimes people get rewarded for as well, in the sense that Yitzhahara allows the world to look like, you know, we can't, crime pays, but really crime doesn't pay. But anyway, zooming back out, in life, the hardest moments of life are our greatest, most defining moments. And that's exactly what happened with the Jews. They were at their yomps of moment. That's why Hashem surrounded them. He wanted them to recognize you have nowhere else to go. You can't fight your destiny. There's nothing else for you to do except to grab onto me with bitachon and to make that next move. And from there comes the greatest greatest imagination of success, the greatest experience of success in life. And so too, in our own lives, let's look for those areas where we need to perfect ourselves, our greatest challenges, and let's turn to Hashem with Bitachon and know that Hashem is running the world. Hashem knows what He's asking us for. And in those greatest challenges, let's find our greatest levels of success. The last thing I want to quote is from Ratzadik. Ratzadik HaKohen Blin was born in 1823 and died in 1900. He was a famous Talmud of Rav Label Eger, just like Rav Label started off as a Litvak and became Hasidish, even though his father and grandfather, Shlomo Eger and Rekib Eger, mourned him as kind of going off um, so, um, he also, Ritzadik also had that. Ritzadik had no children, which is a whole story in itself, and he writes that everyone should please learn his safer and have him in mind, as if this, this, his farm are his children. Anyway, suffice it to say, he says that there are two musagim of growth in life. There's chipazon, which is Yitzhiyas and Sarayim's night, where all of a sudden you just go from Kaddish Orchatz, where you have this amazing inspiration, and then there's Orchatz, where you, you earn it later, and then there's Pesach Sheni, which is the second opportunity uh, for those that are Tami and Derek who need a slower path, which is Ke'en, the Shvi Shal Pesach, which is a smaller, which is the inspiration that comes and it, it grows and grows and grows. Now, if you remember, I said, I'm not even sure if it was in this recording or not, that perhaps you could be even better off um, if, you had a, if you had a challenge. You could be even better off if you had a challenge and then go to a place of success. What, what do I mean by that? So it says, two areas of the Bizas Hayam was greater than Yisias Yitzrayim. What does that mean? That means that the spiritual wealth that you could gain over Shvi Shal Pesach is even greater than the than the Biza that you could get on the first day, which means that the Baal Tshuva, the person who slowly takes it in, um, is able to really, really grow and to and to succeed. And that's what we're looking at. We're looking at the Bizas Hayam, which is the slow way of earning our connection to Hashem and of connecting and recognizing that, hey, Hashem, maybe I wasn't so inspired at the Seder, or maybe I lost some of that inspiration over Yantif. Maybe I went on a Cholomai trip and got distracted or forgot about it. But now I'm coming back and I'm focusing on you. And that is the Chippazon together with the, the Pesach Sheni for those that were Tami and Derachoka and for that Avoda. And so too in life, we could sometimes be really, really inspired and sometimes we could just take it slow and slowly connect. And that's a really, really important thing to keep in mind. I hope we are Zoha to a beautiful Shvi Shal Pesach filled with inspiration and growth and only good things. Have a beautiful Yantif, everyone.